Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com Today we find ourselves at the end of chapter 4. And one of the things I love about uh, John's Gospel Um, which is kind of one of the four accounts we have for Jesus' life and ministry on earth, um, is that at the end of the book, uh, John, the writer, he spells out exactly why he has recorded what he's recorded. So in John 20, 30 to 31, we read, um, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Yeah, great words. And I, I love it. Like, there's no ambiguity here, is there? Um, and I find this so helpful um, as I come to read through John's Gospel. And we're going through story by story, interaction by interaction. Um, but as we do, as we do so, I think this is such a helpful foundation um, to stand upon as we seek how God reveals himself um, to us in Jesus. And every story in John's gospel is recorded that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we may have life in his name. Um, Now, as we get into our passage today, there are two main themes that I want to pull out. And those are going to be that Jesus is the ultimate healer and he invites us to have faith in him. Um, So uh, the passage we're going to look at today is right at the end of John chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. So I think the words might pop up um, on the screen. Also, if you have your Bibles, yeah, turn to John chapter 4. Uh, verses 46 to 54. Um, I'd, and I'd say our main character, but I guess that, 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 that's Jesus. So our, our main um, supporting character for today um, is kind of similar to what we looked at last week with um, the Samaritan woman at the well. This um, character is going to be another person that a first century Jew of this time would hear of and, and not hold in high regard in any way, shape or form whatsoever. Um, and today that is a Roman government official. Um, so we're going to read our passage now. Uh, John chapter 4, 46 to 54. Um, so we read, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday 
At one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So in this passage, we meet a royal official whose son lay sick, close to death. So here is a father in absolute crisis. His son looks like he's about to die. Um, And this man is a royal official, an officer of Herod, the Roman ruler. And he's coming to Jesus to, to beg him to heal his son. And now... Being a royal official, um, in his circle, he would have been a man of a real high regard, um, affluent, access to the best doctors of the time. But in this moment, the kudos, the money, the power he had was, was worthless. So I want us just to look at those first verses um, again. So I'm just going to read 46 and 47. Um, it says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. So here we read of a man in crisis, a desperate man. Above all else, he wants his son to be healed, but it is abundantly clear to him that he has kind of nothing in his personal armory to achieve that. This man could pay any doctor, but here he is, um, and his son is at the point of death. Um, he has tried everything and has failed. He has no options left, except, and at the start of this story, we get a helpful note from John. So Jesus is in Cana. Um, so that's where Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding. So although money is worthless here, what he does have is like an ounce of faith. He has heard of a man called Jesus who has performed a miracle. And that's what, that's what he needs. He believes and hopes that if he can get to Jesus, tell him about his son, then he has the power to make him better. Uh, so, so what does he do? He walks 20 miles from Capernaum to Cana to find Jesus, and he begs him to come and heal his son. And when it says begged, It's in the imperfect tense for any grammar fans. And so that means he begged and begged that Jesus would come and heal his son. It is in absolute suffering that the Roman official comes to Jesus. And kind of considering his own honor and wealth as useless, he begs Jesus to heal his son on a mustard seed of faith. And now Jesus' response here is really quite curious. So verse 46 
says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. So what, what's happening here? Initially, it kind of looks like Jesus is a bit annoyed with the official for begging him to heal his son. But if you think about it, he, he does heal the official's son. So what, what does he mean by his response here? Well, um, primarily his words aren't for the official that is, is, is begging him. Um, the official comes to him begging him to heal his son, having faith that he can move miraculously in his life and in his family's life. And seeing this faith in the Roman official, Jesus speaks to the crowd in Cana. And he says, unless you people, speaking to the crowd, see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. Jesus is speaking to the same people who would either have witnessed um, or heard of Jesus turning water um, into wine at the wedding. And so what Jesus is saying is, look at this Roman official. Look at his faith. Don't fixate on the signs um, and wonders, but look to me, the one who did them. Come to me. Have faith in me and not just in the signs and wonders that I do. So to dig a little deeper into this, um, interestingly, in the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well that we looked at uh, last week, there is no miraculous um, sign or wonder. But because of this woman's encounter with Jesus, many people in that Samaritan town come to believe in him. So we compare that Samaritan town to Cana in Galilee. And then in Cana, it seems like although there has been a miracle that has taken place, that there just isn't that same community transformed at this point. And Jesus' response to the official in verse 48 seems to suggest that that hasn't really happened in Cana. And now Cana was uh, in the region of Galilee. This is the region where, where Jesus grew up, um, where he was the carpenter's son. So the challenge to the official and the people of Cana listening was one of kind of where, where are you putting your faith? Are you going to be like a Samaritan kind of looking at Jesus or a Galilean totally fixed on the here and the now? Christian faith has to be centred on the person, the character of Jesus. And now, the official's response to Jesus is, Sir, come down before my child dies. And the first thing to take note of here is, Sir, this is a um, kind of senior Roman government official who was someone who would be very used to having power and authority over others in society. He was used to people submitting to him. But as he stands before Jesus, with his son at the point of death, he submits to Jesus. He puts himself under Jesus and acknowledges his authority. So recognising and submitting to Jesus' authority 
with faith, he says to Jesus, come down before my child dies. And again here, Jesus' response is perhaps not what the official might have expected or what we might expect kind of reading through this story. Um, The official begs Jesus to heal his son and Jesus' response is emphatic and conclusive. He says, you may go, your son will live. But I guess from where the official is standing at this point, all he has to go on are the words that Jesus has spoken. He doesn't tangibly know um, what has happened, if, if anything at all, to his son. But he continues to put his faith totally in the person and the words of Jesus. And so um, the official, he comes to Jesus at his absolute lowest, in awful suffering, knowing that he had nothing in himself to help his son. But a week ago, a month ago, when the money, the health, um, the status was enough, he, he, wasn't, coming, he wasn't coming to Jesus. Um, but Jesus' response was and is absolutely never one of, kind of, well, 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 kind of, where were you when things were all rosy? And I wonder if you've ever, we can kind of get into that trap where we start off, maybe we start off a prayer, kind of a bit preempting and justifying yourself, like, um, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry, I haven't kind of read my Bible so much lately, and I haven't come to you as much as I have, but I, I really need you here. But we see God's heart towards us in the running, in the outstretched arms of the father in the parable of the prodigal son. It is clear that we don't come to God or ask God based on our own merit. We can come to him because he has made a way, because he loves us and he loves relationship with us. And what we see in our passage today is that a Roman official is met with compassion and honour in the midst of a crowd that would have had neither of those things for him. And so how does this official respond to Jesus? Well, he, he believes, and he believes before he sees. I wonder what what would you expect in, in this situation or, or how might you be tempted to respond when Jesus says, you may go, your son will live. I reckon um, either I might say, uh, no, come, like this is too important, like come right now. Um, or I would run as fast as I could back to my son to see if he's okay. The official does neither of those things. Um, but what, in what he does do, he puts total faith in Jesus and in the words he has spoken. So we read from the middle of verse 50. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the, 
Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. Wow. So really interestingly, when it says that kind of sentence, um, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour, what this is saying to us is that this man did not, he did not rush back uh, to Capernaum. And what... um, kind of believe is from this he's he almost definitely would have stayed in Cana that night and then walked back to um Capernaum his hometown the next the next morning so on this um Spurgeon a 19th century theologian wrote um the nobleman was so sure that his child was alive and well that he was in no violent hurry to return he did not go home immediately as though he must be in time to get another doctor if Christ had not succeeded. But he went his way leisurely and calmly, confident in the truth of what Jesus had said to him. Because of the words that Jesus spoke, the official went from from frantic and desperate to peaceful. He had faith in the character and the power of Jesus. We, like the people of Cana, can can become familiar maybe with Jesus. But what an extraordinary transformation that has gone on here. Um, In the son, from near death to life. And in his father, from frantic and desperate to calm. And now, when we think of healing... Um, We often think and may long for healing in the here and now, healing today. And that is real. We live in a world where suffering is is all around us and and with us. And yet I want uh, to draw us in a little bit here. As Jesus does to the one who is able to heal now and the one who is the ultimate healer. So in this story... We read of the amazing authority Jesus has um, to heal a boy who is at the point of death. We see the power of Jesus' words to heal uh, a boy 20 miles away. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus preaching the gospel and healing the sick. And this is something he commissioned his disciples to continue um, doing as he sent them out. And through the book of Acts and the history of the church, Jesus has continued to heal the sick and he still heals today. So as Jesus, the disciples, and us today pray for the sick, Jesus, the healer of broken bodies, points us to Jesus, the healer of our broken world, of our broken hearts. And reading our passage today, perhaps the words that jump out um, the most to me are at the end of verse 53. Um, So it says, Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. So he and all his household believed. Now, 
reading through these first few chapters of John's Gospel, we're starting to build up a bit of a picture of what Jesus is doing. The awesome healing we see of the official son points to and is part of a greater healing that is going on and will come. It shows us of the authority that Jesus has in that moment and points to his, his ultimate authority and power to ultimately heal and make all things right. This morning, I in no way at all want to downplay the wonder and the glory of the physical healing that we see in our passage. But I do want to big up the eternal healing and restoration that this points us to. Previously in John, we have seen many Samaritans believe in Jesus. Samaritans, a group of people who, frankly, the Jews were disgusted by. And then today, our passage culminates in a Roman family that come to have faith and believe in Jesus. The Romans, kind of oppressors of the Jews, they were supposed to be the people that the Messiah would defeat, kind of overthrow, get rid of, um, and then and liberate God's people. But here, we see enemies brought into God's people. John's Gospel reads as a loudspeaker that God's love is for all peoples. And ultimate healing and a relationship with God is for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, even a mustard seed of faith. Now Jesus, as he did with the Roman official, he invites us to trust him, to have faith like that official. And now our God... Uh, is a God of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternally in relationship with one another. God's plan has always been to heal and liberate us from sin. And we are invited to join in with the healing and restoration by faith in Jesus. God uses our faith to establish his purposes and build his kingdom. Now, there's just a couple of things um, we see about um, faith in this passage um, that I want to bring up uh, before, before we land. So firstly, is that we see that faith grows. And we see this in the faith of the official throughout the passage. So the official has faith that, that brings him to Jesus, faith that Jesus can heal his son, faith that leads him to continually beg of Jesus on behalf of his son. Then, faith that Jesus' words are true. And at the end of this story, a faith that transforms his entire household, whose, whose only experience of Jesus is second-hand through the official. The official's faith grows. And how amazing when the servant's message confirms his faith and in a, a man who really does have the power and authority that matches his words. And have, have you had moments where, 
where prayers have been answered, uh, moments where things you have longed for have come about, where we have seen God move. And in the midst of a broken world, these moments where we see God at work are important and vital and they grow faith. And God, we can trust in him. He is building his kingdom. He is a God who grows things from the mustard seed faith. So he grows faith. He will grow uh, the faith of the church in line with his character, with his purposes, with his plan, who is growing and building his kingdom. Um, Secondly, faith spreads. Um, God brings healing to this world through Jesus. We see this um, in the story of the woman at the well, that God uses the faith of an individual to bring faith um, to a whole community. And we see that in our story today, where he uses the faith of this official to bring, um, to bring faith to an entire household. God is bringing healing to this world and he uses us, his church, and the faith imparted to us to bring about that healing. So let us pray for physical healing and for the spiritual healing of our families, friends, colleagues, nations. God is making all things new and we are called to bring ourselves loved by God and our faith and be part of it. And when we see God move, answer our prayers, and even when it happens in ways that we might not expect, when we see Jesus more clearly, let us share that with those um, who, who know God and with those that don't, so that faith can spread. Uh, it makes the world a difference when we hear of God uh, moving uh, among us and in the lives of others around us. And just thirdly, um, I think we see that faith will be tested. I, I think of the walk back from Cana to Capernaum, um, when Jesus said to the official, your son will live. The official had received the proclamation from Jesus that his son would be healed, but he was yet to, exper- to experience that. In that walk back, he didn't kind of tangibly know that his son was okay. And I think that can be similar uh, for us too. We ultimately find ourselves in that middle ground of, Lord, I know you are bringing healing, deliverance, bringing about your kingdom. But we're not currently living in that perfect rule and reign of God. And sometimes it, it can feel like, God, what, like, what, what are you doing here in this situation? What are you doing here now? And one thing the official did was that he met with Jesus He laid it all down before him, surrendering to him, and he trusted Jesus. He had faith in the power and the authority of Jesus. And we are called, like this official, to keep looking at Jesus, beholding him, remembering what he has done and what he has promised to do, and letting our gaze on him shape everything else. And from that, to let our faith grow in the person of Jesus. Um, Now, as we come to close, I want to encourage us 
to look to and behold Jesus, the ultimate healer, the one who has the authority and the power over illness and who ultimately has authority over death, defeating it once and for all on the cross and who promises to come again, wipe away every tear and to make all things new. And as we behold him, let our hearts be stirred in faith. He is making all things new. There is healing in the name of Jesus. Let us hold fast to him in whom we can trust in his character and that he is the one who brings healing to our world. Now, um, through the gospel, John is leading us through his account of Jesus' life. He says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here, in our passage today, in John 4, we find a Roman official trusting Jesus, having faith in his ability to transform and heal his son. We see Jesus with words bring about restoration to the son and to the entire family. Faith spreads and grows as this occurs. John has included uh, this story in his account for you and I to see Jesus more clearly as an invitation to life, to faith in Jesus. God is bringing about his healing of this world. Like the official, let us come to Jesus and put our trust, our faith in him. Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.